0: Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Windy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardy. Hello, Bardy. Hello, Windy. And our tactics guy and specky twat is Nathan A. Clark. <laughs> Hello, Nathan. That's me. Nathan's, uh, wears glasses now.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, um, so, like, several years ago, the vision in my right eye started to go blurry. <laughs> I was like, that's fine, that's whatever. And then it has occurred to me, <laughs> mainly when playing rocket league (laughs) that my my depth perception might not be the best i was like but you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go and spend loads of money on glasses just to be slightly better at a video game and then i saw this article last week um about this old man who ran down a cyclist with like three meters of vision i was like oh yeah okay i should probably go and get an eye test so i wear glasses now i um i walked out of the because i had to wait a week to get the glasses i walked out of the the opticians and into the shop and it was like the most overwhelming experience of my life. So I I have ADHD, so I suffer with, with overwhelming stuff, especially with people, too many people doing stuff near me, right? And suddenly I could see everything in immense clarity. I could see all the words on the shelves. Like clearly my mind's like automatically reading everything. And there's like people all up in my face and you can see all the spots on their cheeks. It was like, oh my God, get me out of here. And uh, I'm suffering with headaches. It's going to take a while to break into these glasses, I reckon, because it's, it's weird. I'm used to the blur.
1: It is strange when you first get glasses. My My whole life turned kind of... weird shape everything kind of starts squishing in in the middle but it was also um it was football manager that taught me that i i needed glasses because i ended up just leaning more and more and more into this into the screen it wasn't actually work and then i was like maybe i do need glasses and i did
2: so there you go the video games are
0: the secret (laughs) to vision (laughs) truths so the reason i can call you a specky twat is because i Mm. wear glasses as well and the last pair i got were a different shape to my previous pair and i had a very weird sensation for about 3 days whilst my eye muscles ad- adapted to the mm. the new lens shape so um so that might be a thing for you as well nathan you might Definitely. find that it gets more comfortable after a, a bit of continued use but you should probably be wearing them right now like you should probably wear them every time you use a screen not just when you're playing rocket league
2: well, I yeah, I I I'm probably not going to do that. I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm probably going to only wear them when I need to wear them. But okay. for the time being, I want to break them in and wear them for a few hours here and a few sure, hours there sure. and try
0: to get used to them. Sure.
1: My optician was like, only wear them when you look at screens, and I'm like, I look at screens
0: all day, all the, all the time.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. I wear contact lenses mostly. It's uh, it's a lot easier. Also, I wasn't like when I shaved my head, I wasn't sure if my glasses suited me anymore.
1: <laughs> well i i shaved my head and I, I could still wear glasses
0: did you did you body <laughs> did you shave your head
1: according to my wife i shaved it yeah
0: mm. Mm. i mean your hair looks mm. very nice i really I like, it. like it it looks really yeah. nice but it's not shaved it's it's, it's a close cut it's a, a, a it's a one all over <laughs> no that's well, not, not a,
1: one. a one no that's it's not a one over it's a two and a one it's the okay. old one two
0: the old one two yeah yeah, I mean, Bardi thinks he's kept to his word by doing this, but actually it's, it's, it's a bit of a cheat.
1: Well, you, I learned from the best, Windy. You managed to get yourself out of it a bit a while ago, so I just, I just fudged the lines, which is what you do.
0: <laughs> so why did you save your head, Bardi?
1: Because I, I raised over my £3,000 um, target for hey. for, the, for the marathon. I'm closing in on four. I might just fall <laughs> a little bit short. I'm close to it but um, my wife was just like you were gonna hit three grand anyway but I got nervous because after a couple of weeks I I had nothing in there other than the money i won off you Wendy. so I thought (laughs) I needed something there to to encourage people to to donate and Mm. thank you to everybody that did some people donated twice they forgot they donated right at the start and then they (laughs) donated again
0: (laughs) that's the benefit of starting the campaign trail early right exactly so how has the training been going
1: It's been hard. It's been tough. It's been 16 weeks of um, living like a monk for the most part and running in in the heat. But um, I'm glad that it'll be over. Mm. This time next week, I'll be aching, but it'll be finished.
0: Mm. So very best of luck to you and also to our ex-subs, Brent and Dan, who are also running the London Marathon on Sunday. Uh, I'm looking forward to to giving you a shout from the sidelines. I'm going to be there going, come on, my sidekick. (laughs) <laughs> you'll know it's me who else is going to shout that at you
1: nobody else just you
2: i'll be in the gym running a tenth of a marathon
0: so you know
2: we've all got challenges solidarity <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and nathan you've been uh you've been busy this week also you've been on tifo yeah yeah
2: so i'm um when uh, when my my very flo- close friend tiago comes to town for the stats conference conference once a year we play uh, the invitational football game in london which is always a very mixed skill game and i literally hadn't played football since the previous years one and i become quite unfit in the time and we we played with like um Seven aside on this tiny little half pitch, <laughs> and there was just no time on the ball for anyone. So I was like, right, I'm not going to try to involve myself in possession. I'm just going to press the opposition instead. So that's what I did. I just chased the ball like a dog for a bit. It was fun. Uh, but anyway, because I was in town, um, they're like, oh, you know, we'll do a Spurs episode. Come on, come on Tifo. And so, yeah, that was fun. That was fun. Really good episode. Thank you. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. Is
1: John McKenzie any good at football? I've got a feeling that he might be, he looks like he can kick a ball.
2: He he is so good at football he's I outrageously so. good at football he um despite the um the skills and intelligence that he has in his day-to-day life he is not the most confident person but when he walked onto that pitch, he became a peacock. He his chest puffs <laughs> out. He's in his element. He is he is such a good footballer. The way he receives the ball in the turn, he's he he's he's like little Iniesta. Um the the way he plays football is quite something to behold. Was he the and best got, player? Probably. Probably. Yeah. And definitely like over the course of the four times we've played, he's he's been the consistent the consistent player. He yeah. any other good players? uh so people might know Sam Tig mm-hmm. um he's 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 pretty good at especially in a straight line um there are a couple of Spurs fats. Oh my god, so so um <laughs> there were there were two guys in Spurs tops, right? One of them looked like Christian Romero, he came over to me and had a chat afterwards, his name was Dan, so hello Dan. And the other was a ginger guy um, who was tall and lanky, also good in a straight line, you know, uh, like <laughs> like to cut inside. <laughs> so it was quite funny. Um I didn't I didn't get a chat with him, but
0: uh yeah. Sounds could, like a, uh, a fun time find. had by all. Hmm. Uh has been having fun this week because Italy beat England.
1: Well, you've got to take your joy a little bit. You guys got 56 days into a World Cup. We don't have that thing to look forward to. So the only thing I could hope for was to pile a little bit of misery on on England. But I am nervous that by destroying England again, we may inadvertently kind of inspire you on towards World Cup glory. Because England normally turn up at a World Cup. Like, yeah, yeah, we've got to win it. We've got to come home. This is the first first time in my lifetime you lot are going to a World Cup and you're rubbish and everyone thinks you're rubbish, so that's always the danger because Italy turn up these tournaments rubbish and then they do something so maybe England being rubbish and everyone mm. thinking they're rubbish, they might it, this kind of siege mentality might work and know of sudden- brushes off a little bit. Yeah, Italy in nineteen eighty two, they didn't talk to the journalists. In two thousand and six, they were all going to jail unless they won the World Cup. And in and in the last Euros, they were rubbish. But they they managed to bring it together, siege mentality, and win the whole thing. So I'm worried that we may have had like it's like that. That thing that happened in Leicester, that bad thing they did in the nightclub, ended up with them winning the, winning the league. They, it's like, you know, there's that meme with the dominoes that knocks one down. And then at the end, there's England winning the World Cup and me having to leave the country. <laughs> uh,
0: so Jim Watson said, can we have a tactical analysis of England versus Italy? I didn't watch the game. Um, in fact, I think Bardi's the only one of us who did, <laughs> ironically. Uh, can, can, you, can you describe what happened at all?
1: Yeah, England's midfield is rubbish. Declan Rice is a—he's a good player. He gets about and he gets to win some tackles but he's never he's you know Scheuberg is better um, who was alongside hmm. Declan Rice G. Um, Jude Bellingham Jude Bellingham he gets up and down a bit he's he's alright I haven't seen him properly play before and I like him but he can't work in a two he needs to be in a three uh, Foden looked good but miles away every time he got the ball he was miles away from the goal Kane was had a couple of shots and but once again whenever England win the ball back they're just so far from, from the opposition goal there's nothing that they can do Saka is a mess as a left wing back. Rhys James did okay. Harry Maguire was not the clusterfuck that many think he is. And Eric Dyer did Eric Dier looked good. Someone that can pass the ball and did all right. So, you know, there's some bits and pieces there for England to work on.
0: And how did Italy play? What was their what was their style?
1: I mean, Italy would have been kind of destroyed by injuries and people just not in the squad. So they put out a bunch of OAPs who, who were pretty sturdy in defense and okay in midfield. And Raspadori did a, a lovely bit of skill to win the game. And that was it really. It was a bit of a stodgy match, mm. but um, Italy managed to, to eke it out in the end. Um, the the kind of big talking point was why um Destiny Udoji wasn't in the in the in the squad. So a lot of people have been asking for him to start now because yeah. you know his his stats are are a madness. So um they started with DiMarco, who I'm not a huge fan of out wide, but he looked pretty good. Um but they midfield midfielders a mess. Jorginho had a good game, but Italy really did miss um, the kind of spin at solo Udodji kind of uh width.
0: Udoji didn't even start for the under-twenty-ones.
1: No, no, that's weird. The under 21s it was a friendly against England. It was a bit of a mismatch of a team. Didn't they in tonight or maybe they played yesterday against Japan. But they were just friendlies. I'm not sure why he wasn't in the main squad. He should have mm-hmm. been there.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the under 21, England under 21s looked really good. I thought. I only watched the first sort of 60 minutes, but they started like a train and and scored two early goals. And Italy kind of couldn't cope with the the physicality and the, the the passing and moving. And I thought that was. Pretty promising. So I think, I mean, basically it does seem at this point as though Southgate's just lost any momentum he had. He's he's given up on doing the things that was getting him success. <clears throat> um, he's gone back to picking favourites, it, it appears to me. Um, I mean, and, and just I, I'm not sure... 11.
1: I'm not sure if Bellingham is a Southgate favourite, but they, they they could do they could do a decent three. They could get something out of that, but I just think I think Southgate looks a little bit lost. As as in all international football, you've really got to walk out when you're at your peak because it's not like um, club football where you can regenerate, sign players, and change things mm. up. Southgate should have walked in 2018 after coming fourth at the World Cup. He definitely should have gone after the Euros because that winning the World Cup is such a difficult thing, and for that to be the only next place to go is a bad place for a manager to be when the, the only thing you can do is something that England have only ever done once or teams very rarely do. You should leave when you're at that, your highest point and unfortunately, he's now going to ruin his legacy.
2: Mm. I think England probably won the expected goals just looking at the shot map.
1: Uh, England in the last 10 minutes had a had a good flurry. They um, okay. Italy sat back Uh, They put on Manolo Gabbiadini, who hasn't played for the Italian team in five years. And I hadn't heard of him since he left Southampton. Um, So Italy just sat back. And England had a little bit of a flurry at the end. Kane had two good chances. Bellingham had a header. Rice had a crappy shot. But Kane took a nasty smack to the face. I thought he was going to lose a couple couple of teeth. But he's all right. His face is made of concrete.
2: A toothless (laughs) performance. Someone on the Discord made that joke. Sorry, I forgot Ah, Okay. That's good. Uh, Yeah, I I put the game on on my laptop and then didn't watch it at all and had something on TV instead because it's just (laughs) international, uh, you know, borderline friendlies. It's tough. I, I yeah, I guess the slight step in the right direction would be that we've seen Bellingham in midfield mm. a slightly more adventurous pick there. Um I don't know. I guess there might be something to the idea that England used to be a team who were good outside of tournaments and then bad in them. <laughs> now maybe we swap that around, but um you would imagine that that um Southgate probably plays this tournament and then and then heads off and we move on. Yeah. yeah. I think the the three four three has been really important for England um in terms of the way it, it divides up space on the pitch without having to like the months and months of 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 training practice to get down your position or play it's just well you're sort of in the gaps already in that shape but the thing is even even at our best on the south gate we still weren't doing a ton mm-hmm. <laughs> in possession it was a lot of set pieces and being generally all round okay and controlling the game and, and stuff like that so yeah, I dunno. I dunno. I
1: think my, my final thought on it is it did prove that you just can't you can't put a load of attacking players on the on the pitch and expect the team to be attacking. The it looked at an attacking lineup, but it, it just it was far mm. from that. And the other thing is if, if you lot think the Nations League is a waste of time, just wait until the next series of games when you're in League Two and having to play, I don't know, Slovakia and the rest <laughs> of
2: them. I I my my um my time for international football is draining by the minute you know at this yeah. stage and i guess that's tied into england's to a considerable extent i sort of i'd already gone away from international football and then england had a good run and it brought me back and i don't i can't see them bringing me back in to be honest even even if they start playing some really good football i, well, I sort of can't imagine them playing really good football mm.
1: see i find that interesting like what why how come you guys are so disconnected from international football
2: I, do, I think it's a much much lesser product than than club football basically is is the main thing
1: cuz yeah. i I've, i i agree that it is a lesser product in terms of quality and everything but i do think there's a kind of um level playing field to it that you can't obviously money's involved in being able to bring players through and everything else but I do find it more interesting at some points because you can't get a superpower like City just throwing 60 million you can't just fix a solution If you don't have a solution you have to be smart and work your way around it which Italy have to do and Brazilian sides and other sides have had to do throughout the years so I do find I do think it's a little bit more challenging and um, it is a le- more of a level playing field.
2: But then you also have, for example, the fact it's taking part in Qatar as like the, yes. the the offside, right? So there, there's yeah. all of that. That stuff is is possibly even more in your face than it is when looking at the enormous amounts of money that City and Chelsea are spending. Mm.
1: I do agree that it has been a huge misstep during the World Cup there, and you could even probably go as far back to say Russia as well it was also yeah, a bit of definitely. a misstep. But I I do think that's down to FIFA I still think I still think it's an interesting football thing to watch I still think international football has a lot to offer
2: I guess one final thing would be like how much do I care about the nation of England at this yeah. point you know that's obviously more personal but mm-hmm. I mean if, you, if you're uh if you're an English citizen right now following the news and whatever whereas you know it's it's hard it's hard to feel at one with your your fellow countrymen I think
0: I think that is, I think that's a really important aspect of it for me as well. And um, perhaps that's why I got behind the team so much in the Euros, because they'd been so outspoken on social justice issues. And I found them as a group of players much easier to get behind than any previous group. Um, And there was a sort of uniting element there. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I'll get behind them in the World Cup when it comes, but like you both. I kind of wish this World Cup just wasn't happening. Uh, it's it's going to be a bit of a struggle to enjoy it, knowing knowing what we know. Um, mm. I'm, but I'm sure when it comes around, I'll watch the games and I'll cheer for England. And I'll if they if they do something, I'll be really happy and and feel good about it. Yeah, the Saka at left wing back thing was interesting. So he played left wing back during mm. his youth career at Arsenal. He he was a left back or left wing back for Arsenal, but he's not played there for. Two years now, I would say. I mean, he's been basically playing right wing forward for the last year. So I don't know why Southgate was messing about there. I don't know what he, what he thought he was hoping to achieve. I like the idea of that. It's just a means of getting more attacking
2: talent on the pitch, to be honest. I don't hate
0: that. Really? Even though he mm. just doesn't play that position anymore as a, as a man in the man's game. Like the, the limited experience he has there, is is that not a concern? No,
2: because you just... Like, if... okay. Uh, if we were talking about a game in which he was playing a winger role and all he did was a hug the touchline, we wouldn't be saying, "Well, that's not really the role he plays anymore." That's that's not beyond his scope offensively. Um, if we had loads of defensive issues down his flank, then that's a different discussion. But if you're you're saying he can't attack in that that manner, mm. I don't I don't agree.
0: Mm.
1: I think okay. I think Saka would be an excellent backup to Sessignon at left wing back.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, we do as Spurs fans get the joy of saying your best attacker plays fullback for England. So that's that's fun. <laughs>
0: yeah absolutely Sessignon looked good for the under 21s by the way he looked very lively which was uh, was good to see as did Jed Spence Mm. Mm.
1: I was going to ask you about Jed Spence because I know you watched the under 21s
0: yeah he's electric he's absolutely electric I really hope we get to see some more of Jed Spence pretty soon because I I feel like he's going to add so much to the Spurs team Um, even if it's just off the bench you know bring him on for the last 15 or whatever and he is he's going to add some zip to the play He's a brilliant ball carrier. Uh, he's got some serious determination. He wants to he wants to carry that ball forward. Very exciting player. Very explosive. Really, really excited about him. Um, Chey Lakin says, watching Netherlands versus Belgium, who do you think could be a better option for this Conte system, Toby or Jan? Both now and the peak versions, because Chey Lakin thinks they could both do a job today uh, in in Conte's back three. So it's an interesting thought. Who do you think would fit in best in the Conte system? In fact, where do you think they'd play in the Conte back three?
2: Yeah, I guess actually that's... You have just made me change my mind there, actually, with that last little addition. Because so first T- of all, Toby's
0: central, right, in in the well, Conte back three?
2: the benefit is that Alderweireau could play mm. both roles, right? Mm. And that would do a lot for a team. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Jan's a, a really good fit um, for the left side role because of his ball carrying but the fact that Alderweireld, obviously his his defensive tendencies are more akin to the central role, mm-hmm. but his comfort higher up the pitch, his mm. general adaptability and quality um, his his comfort on the ball as well not as good as Jans um, would, would definitely mean that he'd be he, his ability to play both roles would do a lot for the squads mm. especially the condition that, it's, that we're having at the moment we cover for right centre back and central centre back I'm touching the fake wood of my desk as I say that um, right now I don't think either would do a lot for us I, I appreciate they might have looked alright um, <laughs> playing for Belgium but again I think international football is just at such a slower pace I, I, I We've spoken about it before, I think, that we moved Yan on before we had to. And the reason he looked so slow and so sluggish is because he was spending a whole year recovering from a concussion because of you know football's general Mm -hmm. inability to protect players from percussions and and look after them in those situations um so maybe he had another year or two in him actually um if he was allowed to recover fully from that concussion not hit the ball for months Mm -hmm. and months and rest properly Uh, but now at this stage is it's probably it's probably too late Mm
1: -hmm. yeah i agree jan wouldn't be able to play for us now and neither would toby but I think Super Yan at left in in the Ben Davies role in the long lay role would be fantastic. And you're right, Toby could play either the right or the centre role. They mm-hmm. would both. They would both immediately. Um, you're talking about two of the the best centre backs we've had. I mean, can you imagine uh, Vertonghen, Toby, and Romero as our back three? That's mm-hmm. that's an incredible back three. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It really would be. Um, yeah, Adverald's kind of a bit of a cat dog. He he can do either. He can be aggressive. Mm-hmm. He can be hyper aggressive, or he can or he can just sit off and do the diet. So there was some interesting data from The Athletic this week released of the the most uh, defensive interactions in the Premier League and the least defensive interactions in the Premier League. Romero topped the most interactions and Dier topped the least interactions, I think, or was at least the, amongst the fewest, um, which I think talks a lot to the the requirements of of the Conte back three. You know, you've got the hyper-aggressive wide centre-backs who go and make challenges uh, and and try and put us in the front foot with Dyer, then essentially sweeping up behind. And I think Advarald could could do either of those roles, which is quite unique, I would say, for for a centre back to be able to sort of switch between two roles like that. I mean, I I still... I loved Rotongan, obviously. He's a very elegant, wonderful footballer. But I maintain that Toby Alderweireld is the best centre-back I've ever seen for Spurs. I, and I love Ledley King. Ledley King is my favourite Spurs player um, probably ever. But Alderweireld, I think he's magnificent. At his best, for two years, I think he was immaculate. No? Just no thoughts? <laughs> you you agree? never I
1: agree with you 100%. <laughs> mm, nice. Sorry, Windy, I I agree with you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um. Andreas, who um, it was very nice to meet at the Leicester game, says, Is it better to have the whole team, almost, out playing one to two games, travelling, training, like we have with their international teams, or is it better to have them at home, resting, training a bit, but disappointed not to be away, like Arsenal's three Brazilians? What do we think at this stage in the season? Do we want the, the continuity of going away, training, being competitive, or would we rather our players were resting up?
1: I mean, I, Jesus didn't go to the Brazil squad. Nope. I thought I thought he was like the best striker in the world. And neither did Martinelli. <laughs> so all we're doing is is listening to the Arsenal hype. I think <laughs> I think there's benefits either way. I think players can also play themselves into a bit of form, travelling away, a little break of scenery and everything else, unless they get stuck. Didn't Romero get stranded in the USA? Yeah, awesome. what was all that about? What was that all that about, Wendy? I don't know, mate. Didn't have a proper visa, did he? Um, is that what it was? I think so. Him and Martinez didn't have their visas sorted, their paperwork in place. Uh,
2: my but man we, what, loves traveling illegally. He cannot guess <laughs> enough of hopping on a plane unannounced.
1: I guess he didn't have his stuff when he, when he arrived in the States. But I don't know. I think it's probably a little bit of both. I think the three Brazilians knocking around the Arsenal training ground by themselves. It's not like Arsenal can actually work on anything substantial without the, the rest of the players there. But I do think Arsenal have been quite smart with a few of their players. Like Zinchenko didn't travel. Partey's come back early Odegaard who was meant to be a doubt for the North London derby he, he played so they've been quite smart in, in protecting some players but they have lost quite a few as well
2: mm-hmm. I was I was going to say um, that like training time is really good for us right now where we've gone through a little bit of a rough patch we've got players coming back in and um, sort of developing on our solutions but then i also think that getting a break from conte football and a chance to be a bit more experimental and free is probably not terrible um, mentally for some of these footballers to be to be more expressive and um it's kind of like a mental break from from prescriptive football so i can definitely see it both ways
0: while we're talking about arsenal a little bit Uh, how are you feeling about the game?
1: I'm always nervous before North London Derby. I'm always even more nervous when it's at the Emirates where we have a horrendous record. I would quite happily take a draw right now.
0: Interesting. Do you you think... So this is going to be a game that is going to frustrate our fans because Arsenal are going to have a lot of the ball and we're going to have to be used to defending deep and a lot. Um, And our fans will be very nervous about that because Arsenal having the ball feels scary um but with our counter attacking prowess under conte and the ability we have to defend the penalty area do you not think that we're in a good position here nathan
2: i i think that spurs will finish above arsenal <laughs> at the end of this season i'm not feeling like this this game is coming at the best timing i'm feeling i'm feeling nervous too mm-hmm. um i spoke before about how i think that arsenal have a physical weakness in midfield uh party is injured i hope that that injury plagues him horribly for the rest of his life but i especially (laughs) hope he's out for this game Mm -hmm. um because i think that that is significant i think that if they're without party um then we could potentially physically bully them in midfield and that could be significant that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to dominate possession that way yeah we can use that in transition and stuff and and make life difficult for them when they're advanced but yeah, I'm not feeling... I would definitely take a draw as well. Um, I just... I think that a bad loss would do us a lot of damage right now. I think that we... So my my argument that I, I've been making this season that I made on TIFO was that, okay, yeah, our performances haven't looked great so far, even though our results are going through, but I think our performances are going to turn around. I think that leaves us a little vulnerable, where if we get beaten quite badly at the Emirates, um, that could really knock our our momentum in a, in a bad way and I'm I'm nervous about that but I also wouldn't be shocked if we go there and we smash them you know it, it feels very up in the air in every way
1: I mean, I think we're much better on the counter than the Man United are. We're probably Any even team. better. Yeah, and we're better defensively than Man United. And Man United showed how you can beat Arsenal. Jesus would do his little tricks around the edge of the box and stuff like that, but just block the spaces and just smash them on the counter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've changed my mind now. We're going <laughs> to beat him. I do. Beat.
0: I feel good about it. I do feel good about it. Um, so uh, Lloris missed the international uh, matches for France or has didn't? Got pulled out of the squad essentially with a a small thigh injury is how they described it. So I guess he's hurt his hamstring possibly. Um, I would be a little worried if we go into the North London Derby without Luis. Oh, fuck.
1: Um, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I'm not totally down on that because Fraser Forster had an absolute blinding game last time he played against Arsenal. No, really? I think he's. Better with, yeah, yeah, he was incredible. He he's better with his feet as well than Lloris. I'm not against seeing Fraser forced to play. I'm not saying he's better than Lloris, but <laughs> I kind of want to see him play at some point, so I'm I'm not too down on it. Lloris, Lloris think, has Lloris has bad games at the Emirates. He's I don't think he's ever played well though.
0: But you don't want to be going to this without your captain, right?
1: Make Kane captain, and he, he's
0: in really good form, Lloris as well.
1: Make Kane captain. That that responsibility will will make him be even better.
2: Mm. I would be fully content to never see Fraser Forster play a single
0: minute for Spurs, just huh? just for the record. <laughs> yeah, You're not no, even I not mean, nothing personal, curious. but... <laughs> he's,
1: not, he's not a bad goalkeeper. No, no, no he, not, I think he's, he's a good
0: backup. I think he's a he's really good backup. Better than the last couple of backups. Hell yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, hell yeah.
1: No, I, I do think...
0: Um, I do think Arsenal are going to overcommit against us, and I think they'll... Yeah. I, I And I think... Because they will have so much possession, and they'll get brave, and and there'll be some bravado there and Arteta will be here, you know, he'll feel good Jumping about himself. Around. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They'll overcommit. And then Kulosevski will get the ball and, and suddenly the pitch will open up for us. And Sol or Charles, or whoever plays on the left-hand side, will will be waiting to get behind Ben White, who's overcommitted and, uh, and we'll score a couple of goals. I feel really good about this match. I think it's, it's almost like one of the best matchups for Spurs in the in the whole of the league, tactically. Mm. Uh, I I think I'm going to have a very emotive
2: response to the lineup. I think if you know Romero playing, Kursevsky's starting, Longley. Um, if yeah, long lay over Davies, although, you know, there there's not a wrong answer there. If we have something else going on at right back, you know, I'm gonna feel better that mm. that that there's some football that can be played there under pressure. But if we go into that match and like Davinson and Ramir, and, and Royale are starting Surely it won't be. Surely not. not. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not I'm not saying there's reason to suspect that's likely to be the case. I'm just it's been on my mind, those mm. two, you know, bless them. <laughs> but,
0: but we I mean, I'm guessing their central midfield is going to be Xhaka and Lokonga. Yeah. Uh, that is a midfield you can get at. That is a midfield, especially on the counter. Oh, I mean, yeah, sure. You know, Shaka knocks the ball around really well. He keeps possession really well. He's a he's a good volume passer. You can get at that midfield on the counter. And provoke him to commit a red card challenge under yeah. the yeah. AR, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I want Bentancourt to be so Latin in this game. Just be the <laughs> most Latin he's ever been.
1: Do you remember when we went to at the Emirates and we had Davinson at right back?
0: I, I will never forget that performance is <laughs> genuinely one of the most horrifying things I've ever seen.
1: What was that
0: about? I don't know. I don't know that like honestly I like obviously I'm biased in favor of youth players mm. but, but play a youth player at right back. Don't play Devons yeah. and Rangers at right back. That was hideous because we also awful. um
1: we also went to the Emirates once and we started Ryan Mason in central midfield. Yeah. I, bet, I don't think it was it Mason yeah he hadn't started in the Premier League before we just chucked yeah, him just in. in. Yeah, thrown in. He did good. But yeah, Davinson at right back was awful. Something I never want to see again.
2: Man, the number of times Davinson has been put out there to to walk directly into the fire. <laughs> And yeah. and he just keeps doing his job. I, I you gotta respect that he hasn't like had an, a mental breakdown over the number of t- like the number <laughs> of like two out of ten performances he's had in his career, mm. and he hasn't like collapsed as a human being. I I really respect it. The fact that he can like still have intimate uh, inter. Um I want you to finish that sentence. He can yeah. still have intimate what, Nathan? No, not intimate. Inter <laughs>
0: Fuck. What's the
2: word? I have no yeah. idea what you're trying to say. In between really bad performances in okay. bad intermittent. circumstances. Intermittent. Yeah. Oh my goodness. He can still have intermittent good performances in certain circumstances intimate
1: fucking I, um. I don't often watch Spurs' social media content, but there was the... They had recently, they had the panel event of Davinson, Romero, Jed Spence and Cessignon looking at their FIFA cards. And... At the end of it, they presented their FIFA card to each one and asked them to think about what their overall marking was and how they felt about it. And they opened up Davinson's and he got exactly the same score as he got last year. And he looks so happy because he, he's had a bad year, man. And he's so happy that he remained at 78, 79. Everybody else went up, but Dave just stayed at 78 and he was delighted by it. Because Nathan's right. He gets absolutely torpedoed into the worst kind of fires ever. And um he still comes out being a confident young man and I like him for that. He's lovely. I do really. I do admire his confidence and I do admire his just kind of get on with it and and just get through it.
0: He's a very likeable guy, love Sanchez. It, love yeah, it. really really sweet. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Uh, We are once again partnered with Athletic Green, so I shall hand over to Bardi.
1: So, I started taking AG1 because I wanted to be healthier and have more stamina. Windy, have you started any new physical rigorous exercise (laughs) that leave you tired or can give you cramp?
0: Well, yes, Bardi, I have
1: well did you know that cramp is caused in many cases due to the overuse of a muscle and dehydration it means you're losing too many liquids too quickly and too often windy you need to replenish them and ag1 is a great tool to help you restock and reload your body it's got all the sodium potassium and magnesium that you need as well as, ver- as, well as various botanicals that help you train for a or have a marathon session. So top yourself up every day and you'll power through the next workout. <laughs> I'm in so
0: much trouble with the x Oh, God. Uh, it's the one thing with the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of the best products on the latest science with constant product iterations and <laughs> that party the fucking hell. Uh, Athletic Greens is also a climate-neutral certified company. Sorry, I'm just regaining my composure. Ugh. Uh, to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash extra inch. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash extra inch to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So I don't know if you guys saw this, but um, one of our ex-subs, Harry Sherlock, who is, uh, is a lovely, a lovely man um a really valued member of the the community in the discord very open about his mental health struggles which i think is really helpful to other people who are struggling and and Harry's very he's very caring he's a very nice person uh, so he tweeted about uh his anxiety and and one of the replies he got was from from barry Glendenning. do you know barry Glendenning body?
1: Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's one of the, the voices on Football Weekly. He's got quite a big following. Guardian, I think he's been on Talk Sport as well. That that bastion of, of common mm. sense.
0: Mm. Did you see this, Nathan?
2: Uh, vaguely, I I dropped in and saw a couple of tweets, but I didn't want to give up two hours of my life to following everything that had gone on. Basically, mm. now it goes.
0: Yeah, so so Barry's reply was um, uh, at best insensitive. Uh, at worst, extremely callous and and uncaring and and unfair. And, he, and then he did this whole, you know, I was just asking kind of thing. Uh, um, it, if he was just asking, he might have wanted to Google what it's like to have an anxiety disorder or to suffer from panic attacks. Uh, that would have been my advice. You know, we're actually going to put some, we're going to put a link in the show notes to the Mind website. Uh, so people can have a look up what it's like to suffer from an anxiety disorder. Um It was quite shocking to me to see someone who is a big media personality in a community of, let's be honest, mostly men and mostly men of a certain age, uh, sort of be unsupportive around mental health issues. And I think the response to it uh, was really heartwarming. People were just like on him straight away and having Harry's back and, and calling this behavior out for what it was. Uh, And then Max Rushton, by all accounts, has done the same on Football Weekly this week that he, you know, kind of held Barry to account from what I understand, which was was necessary and a good thing. Um, I I thought it was worth raising because mental health and anxiety in particular do affect so many men. Uh, We've worked with Calm through the Fighting Cock previously. Uh, We've promoted mental health charities on this podcast as well. So many people are struggling at the moment. There's lots of reasons to be struggling. You know, outside of the fact that you might just have a, a condition, you might have a hormonal imbalance. There, there are many reasons in society at the moment to be struggling. If you are struggling, we are going to put some 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 uh, links in the show notes. Have a look. Tweet us if you want. DM us. You know, talk to talk to your friends. Talk to people you you trust. Um, it was it was quite a shock to see how this played out. Um, but I'm glad to say that the vast vast majority of people were very supportive of, of Harry and people who feel this way
2: most a lot of people have been right but because Barry has this this following of 150,000 people on Twitter right he's he's gone and he's asked this this question that is just like on the line of you can get away with saying I was just asking a question but there's a tone in his choice of wording right And again the question itself, you could portray as innocent but it's inviting dozens and dozens of people to come in to harry's Mm -hmm. twitter mentions and say yeah you're right barry they're just making it up it's just trendy to be sad and Mm all that kind of shit Mm -hmm.
0: that that barry's got to be aware that he's he's inviting that situation when he does that yeah so i wasn't actually going to read the tweet but i think now we've spoken about it so much i will do so here's what harry had put horrifying anxiety attack thoughts a mess jumbled up wife terrified as it came so suddenly head pounding now and there will be there'll be thousands of people who recognize exactly what harry's tweeted about and and barry's response was can i ask how does this happen i wake up crack on and don't have a meltdown you wake up and do what are you anxious about
1: that's not um that's not a genuine question that's that's having a go that's having a pop the whole kind of crack on man it up kind of vocabulary yeah. it's, it's not helpful it doesn't help anybody mm. and it, he um I'm not saying he set out to be vindictive but his answer wasn't well thought out and mm-hmm. um the fact that he spent so long after that going after people who were going after him kind of shows that he 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 wanted he wanted really, to fight
0: he wanted to pick a fight he wanted
1: a, he wanted to pick a fight yes uh
0: I have to say um fair play to Harry for replying to him in a in a genuine way for for taking it at face value and just replying to it with with honesty and purity it was uh, it showed that harry is truly a really good person it was lovely um yeah so i'm glad we've spoken about it because I, th- I feel like it's something that you know he's harry's one of us you know we kind of yeah. wanted to want to talk about it but this is such an important issue it's such an important issue for men and uh, but women as well of course but our listenership is 99 men
1: it's just um it speaks to a larger problem that there's a certain group of, of pundits and football voices who continue to just have this attitude towards mental health, towards foreigners and everything else. Um uh, you could link this into Sunes and some of the stuff that mm. he says regarding foreign managers, foreign players, and then you've got Barry Glendale in questioning a young man's um, mental mental fortitude by telling him to crack on. There there needs to be some some proper rethinking done by these these big organizations.
0: Mm. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So um, this week we've we we we've been doing some Patreon stuff. We had a live Q&A on Thursday, which was a lot of fun. Um, great to speak to some of the ex-subs. Thank you to all of them for their engagement and their questions. It was really nice. Um, I am recording a fantasy Premier League pod with Baker from the Above Average FPL podcast and, and YouTube channel. Tomorrow, Baker's incredibly knowledgeable about FPL, so um, hopefully that'll be enjoyable for for those of an FPL persuasion. Uh, and Bardi, you're doing some, some new book club stuff.
1: Yeah, just quickly, I want to ask you about, you're going to admit how badly you're doing this season in your oh in your Oh, God. Podcast.
0: Oh, God. Yeah, I'm off to a... Uh, to, I, I don't really want to make it all about me because I could just rant <laughs> for for the first 15 minutes. Um, But I'm I'm making terrible decisions all over the shop.
1: There's a few people that I know that would agree that uh, it's kind of karma coming around. It serves you right for picking so many Arsenal players. <laughs> but yeah, there's going to be a slight change to Bardi's book club to make it a bit more of a of a community... <laughs> We're going to um, purchase a few books and then I'm, I'm going to forward them on to, to listeners who, who express an interest in reading the book and we can kind of read it at the same time. It'd be nice to hear their thoughts. And then the purpose is for them to forward those books on to the next people and try to create some... Of, some it sounds like a pyramid, but it's not a pyramid scheme, <laughs> but in a nice, innocent way, kind of passing the mm. book on and handing it on from person to person. Very nice. Um, the book I'm thinking about doing is, was, was recommended to me was Simon Critchley's What We Think About When We Think About Football. So it's a bit more of a philosophical take on football rather than examining a player or tactics or history.
0: Nice. And that, uh, that title is inspired by one of my favorite books ever. Uh, what we talk about when we talk about love by Raymond Carver, which is a book okay. of short stories. Yeah. So yeah, I uh, just saying. Um, so we have a couple of bits of, of Spurs news to, to chat through. So firstly, uh, we've had some players nominated for for awards this month. So Heubier was nominated for Player of the Month. Son was nominated twice for Goal of the Month for his first two goals against Leicester. And Larice was nominated for save of the month for his his reflex save. Um, to, to, Edwards, it was the Mitrovic. The, oh, okay. The, the, oh, yeah. The sure. The dipping Both. drive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. really good, really good. So that's that's good. It's nice. I think I feel like Sonny will win. Will probably win the the gold of the month. Um, Nathan's slightly surprised that Hoybier was nominated for player of the month. Or or, or do you think it's deserved? Um.
2: Well, I I certainly think he's been good. I sort of don't know how other teams did, especially (laughs) last month, and who who the contenders might have been. I don't know. We're at at serious risk of bringing up the Bardi versus Heubjerg debate again, though, if we hang on this for too long.
0: Yeah. Uh, We also um, perhaps need to talk about interest in Antonio Conte. Bardi, what do you think the chances are of Juventus lining up Conte?
1: I think at the moment with Andrea Agnelli in, in place, it's very unlikely. The last time they that, that we know on camera that they saw each other, um, Conte was flicking in the bird. I think that's what the kids <laughs> call it. So um, there's not a lot of love left between those two. But there is, um, with um, Allegri doing so bad at Juve, there is talk that perhaps he's going to get fired and then maybe Juve will opt for an interim manager and Yeli will walk away. And then um Gianluca Petraci, who's who's um Conte's good friend, is probably on his way back to on his way to Juve. And perhaps they're seeing that him and Conte teaming up again to um to return to Juventus. I personally I don't see it. I don't. I don't think Conte will go back. I don't think Juventus have have the money or every anything else to really offer Conte. I mean, Conte. What if he leaves Tottenham? He could go pretty much anywhere. He's got that kind of openness to him. Um, so I don't. I think it's all bullshit. It's Juventus just trying to scare Allegri and just do, just talking nonsense. Juve. They think they're a big club, but they're they're not. Unless the European Super League comes, Juventus Juventus are, uh, are in all kinds of trouble. Mm.
0: It does feel to me as though Conte, and I wasn't expecting this, is talking about his time at Spurs as more of a sort of long-term project. He's talking about how many transfer windows it's going to take for him to get the team to be in the state he wanted to be in. Is that fair? I,
1: I think if we finish top four and we we have a little bit of a crack at Champions League or even say we're in the title race come end of March, early April, before we before we fade away, I think Conte signs on for another year of this for sure.
0: Mm. So we, there there has been some contractual speculation as well uh rumors are that Kane might be signing a new contract Conte also what do you think Nathan there was something about um
2: us already having the right to extend Conte's contract like without Uh. his involvement or something but I don't know about that the the thing with that is it's like um managers contracts and their situation is not at all like how it is with players right so there's always the possibility that Conte will just walk and there's not a ton you can do about it. And there's always that sensation with Conte that it's a possibility. It feels weird timing, right? It feels like he's in the middle of a project that he believes in, that he's, that he should be happy that we've spent to, to support him, that he's working out solutions, that things are trending in the right way. Any other manager, right? You'd be like, well, yeah, he's going to be here for at least this season and probably one after that. But it's Conte, so
0: mm-hmm. sure. Uh, and we get news this week that Kane has been receiving some interesting injury treatment. So this was off the back of an article by Dan Kilpatrick for the Evening Standard, who uh, reported that. Uh, Kane has been working with a new personal physiotherapist who has helped him to feel free on the pitch and overcome the ankle injuries, which hampered his career. Um, Fascinatingly, a a person on Reddit who is called uh, Post Storm Blues wrote this. I'm in the rehab industry in London and treat a couple of Harry's extended family. The athlete that recommended the physio was Justin Rose, and the guy is actually a specialist in electroacupuncture rather than traditional physio, and is based in Canada. I've seen before and after pictures of Harry's ankles, and I have to say the difference is huge, long may it continue. Uh, and, and there followed a discussion about what electroacupuncture ac- actually is, and um, whether it's... Uh, Scientifically valid. pseudo yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly.
1: Like um, um, wrapping a bit of cheese around a hamstring or a pig's blood, wasn't who was who was the German man Felix Magath? It was the yeah. it was him who was into the cheese wrapping.
2: Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting because the thing, the first thing when that news comes out is like, well, don't we have good physios at the club who should be able to find those kinds of solutions? What what's this other extra special physio going to do that our club isn't or at least should shouldn't should be already doing? Right, so. Um, and then this comes out. This has later been reported as well by um, Kilpatrick. I think um, that 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 is that that information is is valid. Um, yeah, electroacupuncture. The idea is that he used to have a large amount of swelling in his ankles, and that that has gone down. Um, now, acupuncture itself is um, not proven to have to do anything, although a lot of people swear by it. A lot of people swear by a lot of things, right? Um, there's also a a strong trend in like because I was looking at physios for quite a while and I was uh, in fact I've worked with now three different physios in my life And, and when you're looking at physios a lot of them will offer these services like acupuncture alongside this sort of more rigorous scientific, like medicinally sensible, and even like chiropractic kind mm-hmm. of stuff, which is like the opposite almost. So mm-hmm. there's this weird space in the industry where 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 the same person is offering both kinds of service, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of strange to navigate. Um, Electroacupuncture. Apparently, there are some early studies suggesting. That there might be something there that is outperforming placebo, but then placebo itself can be quite something, right? Mm-hmm. It's like when we talk about um, Kane thinks that he'll score a chance if he's missed his last one. Kane thinks that uh, acupuncture needles are somehow even smaller than previous acupuncture needles will magically decrease the swelling and, and heal his ankles, and then. It it does because he believes it. There is, there is something to that. We are obviously way out of our um our realm to be commenting on to giving sort of a definitive answer on the medicinal validity of 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 these sort of under tested things. But it's it's certainly interesting, right?
1: Yeah, if it makes him happy, like you say, gives him confidence, then uh, I hope he gets more acupuncture.
2: He hasn't had an ankle injury in either foot for mm. quite a while now. He's he's looking the fittest he's looked in years.
0: Yeah, it bodes well for sure. Um, okay, so uh, that that brings us to the end of this episode. We've we've rattled through quite a lot. It's international break, so obviously no match to talk about. And I kind of thought we might struggle for talking points, but that's uh, that's been quite fun. I just want to say very best of luck, Bardi, for the London Marathon. Hope you absolutely smash it, mate. And um, and that you you aren't suffering too much afterwards. Uh, and best of luck, too, to Brent and Dan, who are also running. I hope it goes really, really well. Dan's going to destroy everyone, obviously. He's incredible. Um, uh, yeah, just good luck, Bards.
1: Nice one, Wendy. Thank you. You have been
0: listening to The Extra Inch with me, Wendy, my sidekick and best friend, Barney, and our tactics guy, Nate K. Clark. If you like this, there's plenty more at patreon.com forward slash The Extra Inch. Production is by Nathan A. Clarke. Our logo, artwork and website are designed by Trayton Miller. Our music is by David Lindmer. You can find him on Instagram at David Lindmer. Do check him out, he's great. great, great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us at podcast at the uk. Subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. And most importantly, be sure to tell all of your Spurs friends. Shout out to the X-Sub, we love every single last one of you. And of course, come on your Spurs. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall—whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because rust new Custom Spray Five-in-One gives you control with five different spray patterns, so you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about
1: drips, runs, uneven coverage, or. Anything else? Custom Spray Five in One. Only from Rust Oleum.